We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it is pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio, and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. As I announced this past Monday, we will be moving book insight series every every wednesday starting this week so i will start with this if it's wednesday then it's book insight series time with my guest the guest that honors me each week to bring you insights from my book and her wisdom along with them so Today, Rahila Khan and I will be discussing on the basis of chapter number four from my book, The Man, the Moon, and the Casquette, which can be found and purchased on Amazon and WorkUp. And this chapter is, is called The Lost Child. And um, it speaks about the fact that if you listen to previous episodes, you already know that one of the main characters have taken over as legacy, uh, has taken over a, an orphanage from her father. And uh, in this very chapter, we learn how she comes to become a mother um, almost in her 50s. So in the beginning of the chapter, we find out that during her go- governance, there were a lot of people that tried to steal children from the orphanage. Unfortunately, as the trend of um, trading children has come to flourish more and more. And unfortunately, one of the kids has been stolen from, from the orphanage before Rada realized what was actually going on. And I will not tell you more than this, that it took her several weeks, but she never gave up until she brought that kid back and safe into the orphanage. And um, ever since, she decided that that child, she perceived this as probably some kind of sign, and she adopted that child. She decided that that child, who was a boy, and whom she named Joachim, should become her son. Further on, we will discussing, as I said, based on um, on this chapter. And I want to read you a passage so that you can get into the sense, tune in, as Rahila would say, with 
the question that we will be discussing. And the passage goes like this. When, when Rada came back after five minutes, she looked different. She gave up her dress and shoes and replaced them with a chef's complete outfit. She didn't let them say a word and voiced her will. Today, you are all my guests. You have worked hard to make everything possible here, so please allow me to cater to you. I understand your positions of taking care of me and not, let, uh, and not letting me get drained, and I'm very grateful for your thoughts. And I promise I will listen to your, to your advice further on, but today I shall serve you one by one. This will be my way of showing you how much you all mean to me and how your gesture brought me the utmost of joy. Please, don't worry about a thing. The Almighty and the universe will take care of me while serving you. Although they didn't agree, they were like alumni listening to their teacher. She was teaching them another valuable lesson. She was passing along the lesson of unlimited gratitude and the power of treating all of them equally. She was teaching them that each and every soul deserved respect and that none of them was more important than the other. In her eyes, they were all still her children and they were all worthy of her love. And so she did. She attended to each of them carefully. All of them saw around her the sparkly halo of a great master. They all fully enjoyed the day. They ate well, they sang, they danced, and they told stories. When the celebration day was finally over, Rada asked them to address her one question each. However, they all agreed to ask her only one thing, to tell them the story of her life. And Joachim couldn't have been happier with their choice, as he could then surrender to the magic of her storytelling again. And so they all sat quietly while listening to her unveiling the mystery of her existence. They didn't move a muscle for the next three hours. And like Joachim, none of them would ever be the same once the story was over. Let me now greet my guest who was once again uh, patient enough to allow me to read this passage. Hi, Rahila. Welcome. And thank you again Hi. for being my guest today. Hi, Andrada. Warmest greetings again. And to the dearest listeners out there, thank you so much for having me again. It's a pleasure, Rahila. Let me please ask you, having been given the passage that I just read, I would like to ask you, why do you think, besides all the reasons that I gave in the writing, right? Why do you think that Rada insisted to serve everyone, even though she was, uh, she was the guest and she was already old? What should readers take away as a teaching from this? Thank you, Andrada, for a beautiful question once again. You know, as you pointed out in this excerpt, um, you know, what you just spoke about earlier on, although they didn't agree, they were an alumni listening to their teacher is a very powerful statement. Um, rather taught them a valuable lesson of unlimited gratitude. 
and the power of equality and inclusion. There is no separation between the master and the student and the mentor and the mentee in the celebration of life. This was a celebration, a celebration of the restaurant. Uh, and in the celebration of the restaurant and the orphanage came the celebration of celebrating each other, whether you are old or whether you are young, we are all equal. We are all inclusive. We learn from each other. That is what they were celebrating. There would be no orphanage without the children and without Radha's unstinting service in love and gratitude to, in continuing Dom's legacy, as we discussed that uh, much in detail in the previous podcast. Um, it, was come, it was a coming together of, of a soul group, if I may say so. Uh, and what was the soul agenda? And this is very interesting that I picked up um, from your question and that excerpt that we are discussing right now from, from Chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mas Maslow's hierarchy. No. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to delve a bit in the Maslow's hierarchy from a point of psychology. It's a triad, and there are various levels. And, and the, the first level right at the bottom is about food, shelter, clothing. In other words, food, water, warmth, and rest. Mm -hmm. And that addresses the physiological needs of being human. And then the next level, he mentions safety needs which addresses the security and protection of being human. And then at the next level, uh, it is about belongings and love needs. In other words, our relationships, our intimate relationships with friends and families. Mm. And, the, and the level above that is the esteem needs, where he talks about the prestige and feelings of accomplishment. And right on the top at the pinnacle of the triad, is self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. So in theory, in psychology proposed by Abraham uh, Maslow in 1943, the physiological needs of a human is the basis for survival. And then it is the safety needs and then the others. And as we grow, we evolve into self-actualization. We very slowly as humans evolve from the physiological needs to the psychological drive into behavioral action process. So what is the action? Can you see how all of this culminated in the orphanage? Where children are brought in, they don't have anything. Right. So what is the basic need? It's survival, isn't it? food, shelter, clothing, providing warmth, water, and rest. You remember also, if I may just go back, how when Radha first came into the orphanage on the first day, she, as she sat on the chair, what did she do? She just fell off to sleep <laughs> because she felt the protection and safety. Do you see that? Right. So this is why Maslow's hierarchy is so good to know from a psychological point of view as well. Um, in essence, Radha was highlighting these teachings through her magnificent gesture of preparing this wholesome meal, which then culminated into dancing and singing. 
As we know, in all human celebrations and festivals, everything centers around food, music, and dancing, and just having fun and joy. And what is the greater significance of all of this? Of course, it is about our growth, our expansion from deficiency, from deprivation, from human suffering, as you know, all the orphans we're experiencing. So what happens? We move from the dark, toxic density of life at the lowest level into this knowledge and light, which is self-actualization. And how beautiful it was when um, her son brought her into the uh, restaurant, Brian Blindfolded. What a beautiful gesture. Yeah. Um, I think any mom or any parent would so enjoy that coming from a child or children that they take care of. It doesn't matter whether it's biological parents mm -hmm. and children or whether it is cosmic. It doesn't matter, but it's just humans coming together. Right. We also discover, <clears throat> you know, what we discover also through what Radha's teachings were with the children, that as we come where our basic needs are met and where we learn more, we grow more, we discover our innate potential you know, through the loving, caring, and nurturing, our capability of giving and receiving. I think this is very important as well. And this, this is a common thread in your book. So when our basic needs are met, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to learn, we want to educate, we want to transform ourselves through others. Right. Transformation is not about transforming others. It is about transforming ourselves through others in what we give, in how we serve others. So in doing this, our innate potential begins to shine. When our focus in, in doing good for, for others and self is that something happens within us, some magic happens within us that we want to serve and grow. Um, the things we need to learn the most we teach. If you look at Radha, when she was brought to the orphanage as a young woman, she was mentored by a counselor and she learned how to do counseling. She learned basic skills in counseling. So what do we do when we learn from others? We automatically pass it on. And right. that is such a gift. And what I think, what is so beautiful about what has happened here in the question that you asked, what is she teaching us? She's teaching us that what we receive, we give back to others. And in, in whatever we learn and teach, we also learn from others. So whatever we teach, we also learn in another way. So it's giving and receiving in every facet of what it means in the book and in real life as well. Right. So that is such a gift. The thing we need to learn the most, we teach. Mm. So yeah. for me to, to bring and facilitate healing, for me to, to transform others, transformation happens more within me when I facilitate the process of healings to others. So I need the healing the most. And I'm so often asked that question by my clients and, and delegates that attend my workshop. Why do you do what you do? And they say, right. oh, wow, I wish I could be like you. And I said, no, actually, you won't want to be like me because I need all the healing myself because that's how dysfunctional I was. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you are teaching me how to heal. And in the process of healing myself, you are learning the tools of healing yourself.
So therefore, in another way, when you look at the orphanage, look at how brilliant the teaching is in that you don't need followers. The children, they are not followers. Every one of them is made to be a leader. Mm. So in life, you're always the lion, rather was the lioness. When you are a lioness or the lion, you are never a follower. You are a leader. And I think that is so brilliant in teaching leadership skills. So Radha and the children in the orphanage learn this fine art very effortlessly. When there is an openness and willingness to learn, we evolve very spontaneously. Mm. It's not a very difficult thing to do. The more thankful we are, remember how grateful Radha was when she came into the orphanage first, or when, sorry, when, when Dom took her in. She couldn't mm. stop thanking me. She kept saying, but why? Why are you doing this? What can I do to pay you back? Right. So how grateful she was. And once again, in preparing this meal, in putting on her chef's uniform, she was still the simple rather that we knew as a child. And, and it is so beautiful to see that, the, the gratitude, the thankfulness that she had. And in receiving this restaurant with the kids, it wasn't her own, it belonged to everyone. There's no I, me, or my. So in, a, in an attitude of gratitude, when we inculcate that in ourselves and in children, it becomes a very strong foundation for abundance and prosperity. Can you see that? Does that make That's sense? Beautiful. Yeah, it makes sense. It's beautiful, actually, how you worded it. Uh, thank you. So we also saw, Andrada, how the orphanage paved the way for the restaurant. Yeah. This is so amazing to see. How, from a simple social standing of a project of an orphanage of taking care of other humans it becomes a business you yeah. see the how, how in parallel two things are happening on one side you've got the the caring giving and sharing of humanity on the other side is an offshoot of how you can take that from a place of attitude of gratitude and you start creating uh, a business which will bring more and more abundance. I think for me, that was very amazing in the way you did that in the book. So in the collective consciousness, what we learn, when there is a common vision of service to humanity, the children and rather who serve so unconditionally benefited equally. So they benefited equally in the orphanage and now in the business because it's the very same kids who grew up now and in the youth will take on and serve in the restaurant. Right. So it was, it, it is very interesting to see how this old pattern of economics, you know, we learn, we always learn that from a space of the economic paradigm, it's all about the money. Who invested the most must receive the most financially. You know, you just blew everything out of the water there. <laughs> because who was the boss? There's no boss. Can right. you see that? If you want to learn more about the book that we're talking about, you can head to WorkApp or Amazon. Look for The Man, The Moon and The Cascade. You're going to find it there. Let me know what you think about it. Thanks. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. 
Work App is set to revolutionise the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses and you can buy, sell or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. Right. It's not owned up the restaurant as such. It's, it, it belongs to everyone. Everyone's included. Everyone will serve. Everyone will earn. And how would it be? It would be equally from being inclusive. Isn't that amazing? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, there, this is one aspect I wouldn't have seen like this, you know, by, by, you, by you bringing this insight, I'm really grateful to, you know, to hear it and to acknowledge this. So thank you. Yes, so Andrada, you must also look at yourself in, in, in how simple and noble you are and how humble you are that you are creating so much abundance and prosperity for humanity right now. You may not see it in monetary terms as everyone else might and might. You know, sometimes people even judge us for that. Yeah. I've walked the path where you are, therefore I think I could... Uh, glean so much from your writing because there's such a deep soul connection in in you being my mirror I see myself in you because I walk the path and therefore I think also you know perhaps I could even mention this right now your book is such a gift for me to be coaching from it wow truly such a gift to be coaching from your book. And I think also what you've also done here, you've set a whole new paradigm for how coaching should happen. You know, that's actually such a great compliment coming from you, Rahila, to, to tell me that I'm setting new, new paradigms. Um, I don't even know how to say thank you to this. So I will just say a simple thank you. And uh, I'm honored. Oh, you know, just in saying thank you creates abundance because you're so appreciative of what anyone says to you. And I've been watching this, you know, from reading your posts and engaging with you on a weekly basis that um, <clears throat> you're so open. You're like Radha. You have such an openness to life and, and that bodes well for you. And that also, you know, sometimes... You know what I learned, and I learned this from Brandon Bayes in the teaching. She says, so often life will come at you and imagine yourself standing alone on a battlefield and all the bullets are aimed at you and all the spears are aimed at you. You stand there with your arms wide open and you take it and you take it and you take it. And through that, you know, so often people judge and say negative things, those words are like those bullets right. that impact our, our biochemistry to such a degree that it's devastating. 
And it is what we do with that. What do we do with that? We feel the physical pain. We feel the emotionality of it. We feel humiliated. And what I discovered through the passage of time, through all this humiliation, and so often it will even come through your own family. You know, they hurt you the most because they love us the most. So what I learned is to open into the emotions of it, the raw emotions. You know, we spoke about this mm -hmm. before. That is the fire of hell. You're sitting in that battlefield, in that war. Yeah. And you take it and you come through it. That's the only way you can come out of it is to feel it. Feel the raw emotions. Feel the hurt and pain. And, and that's what happened to these orphans. In the orphanage, it's the same thing. From deprivation, there's no, it's a worse form of suffering not to have food, shelter, and clothes. You're left out in the open. You're left out in total exposure to the harshness of the weather, to the harshness of humanity even, if I may say that. Because these children are so often judged the most the parents of these children are judged the most, you know. So in healing, I feel this passage also brings about this whole dimension of healing. Humanity needs healing. And yeah. that is why for me, I'm very passionate about that, healing the life, healing the soul, healing the behavior, healing all of that so that we can become better. So... Rather and the kids in the celebration, they highlight, they bring home the simplicity, the nobility, the humility, compassion, empathy, gratitude and reverence for each other. What greater joy in celebrating that. So equality is something that prevailed throughout the orphanage. Now it's moving into business, into the restaurant, and in the future chapters we'll see that unfold. And I think for me, this is what great leadership is about in the 21st century and beyond. How do we evolve from an economic paradigm into a spiritual paradigm? And might I add that in, in, in mentioning and using the word spiritual, I'm not referring to religious beliefs and religion. I'm talking spirit, you know, our inner self, our innate potential, who we are as this infinite intelligence, our God self, if I, if I may say that, into unity consciousness, where there is equality, unity, and diversity in embracing the universal laws, in coexistence and harmony with nature. When we follow the teachings of nature, there's no greater teaching than that. Because let me cite this example, right? So we look at trees whose roots are grounded into the earth and we don't see what's happening in the dark recesses of the earth. And that is where it gains all its nutrients and it anchors itself. And then you would see the stem, which eventually becomes a branch and eventually you'll get the flowers and the fruits. And do the trees ever say to humans, hey, I gave birth and I created all my fruits, therefore they are all mine. You'll never hear of nature ever shouting out possessiveness and come to this ego thing of me, myself, and I. It's never there. You're so e right. Yeah, E-G-O, the acronym means edge God out. Nature never does that. It's always inclusive of everything. So 
You know, it, it, it says, no, it's not mine. And yet it goes on bearing for everyone and everything, especially for animals and humans alike. You know, it gives you shelter, it gives you food. And you can take as much as you want. And it never complains. You'll never hear plants and trees complaining. Even animals, they just succumb to death for nourishment for humans. They never complain. So, you know, in turn, I think we need to learn a lot from nature in how it creates abundance, superfluous abundance and prosperity and happiness for all, all living organisms. There's no fighting for anything. And I think this is what this chapter brings out so beautifully um, in teaching humans how to be. If there's anything else you might want to add or ask me, please go ahead. Um, you know, I hope I answered your question, it, you know, um, in the way you wanted it to be. I'm not sure. I'm open. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer here, you know, that is just that um, I want to learn your perspective, you know, over what I wrote just like before in the previous episodes. However, I would like to ask you one thing that maybe you could um, dive into a bit more, which is the concept that you brought up that we grow through others. So you explained for a bit how it was for you, but if there, if there was any listener, for instance, that would like to learn how to do that themselves, right? How to get on that path themselves. What would you advise them to, you know, to, to allow themselves to learn like this? Okay. For me, what happens is, uh, you know, so often we speak about listening. Mm -hmm. Listening is a skill that you can develop. And I know I did this in the classroom with my, with my learners in that you could read something or if somebody, like, for example, even this podcast, because you're opening into your sense of being auditory, you're hearing, you're listening. It's to pay attention. It is about tuning in um, and engaging at all levels in how something impacts on you from a place of making pictures in your mind, which is a visual, mm -hmm. Listening in is what you are hearing, and then the feeling part comes in as well. These three personality types will allow you to develop these skills even further when you pay attention to all three or one of the three and see which is your strength. And with time, like for me, uh, I'm all three. However, I'm very visual. So when I'm facilitating a, a client or somebody, even when I'm talking to you or anyone else, I come from a place of inner listening in that I tune in specifically to what is it that my client is sharing about the issues or what is, you know, what are the root issues here? And as I delve into the root issues, for example, the issues are with parents who, when, who neglected them or treated them badly or didn't provide for them, I immediately bring that home to me in that in what ways did that happen to me? Because everything in life is a projection. So if my client is projecting something, that's a mirror that's reflecting back at me. 
So I immediately check inwardly, although I'm facilitating them. So there's two things happening, an external facilitation and an internal process for me. So it's always bringing that home. Therefore, you've got to be in sync with the other. Um, you've got to hone in. You cannot be de- distracted. So therefore, when I'm facilitating for two to three hours and you've had occasion and you've experienced this with me firsthand, right. when I'm facilitating, I'm totally engaged, totally present with you. Yeah, and I will that can be felt on many levels indeed. Yeah, because... I'm honoring you. I'm honoring your soul. You, you asked for, for some kind of help or healing. So I have to be totally present to you. Whether you are paying me or not, that is my sense of honoring to you. Right. And that is a skill we teach. And that is where your intuitive intelligence kicks in. Because when you are totally present, you're immersed in the other. You're so completely immersed in the other that you, you, you're feeling everything that that person is feeling. Even if they're talking about a past memory or some painful event or traumatic event, that you're living it with them. And that is where, for me, all the insights arise in, in helping and cutting through you know, the negative belief systems and the past programming. So... That is very, very important. It's being in tune with the other. You cannot be uh, distracted with technology. You cannot be distracted by the television or anything like that when you are engaged with somebody. It's dishonoring otherwise. Somebody made the time to call you and you're chatting with that someone or you're helping that someone or coaching or or facilitating some process with them, it's very dishonoring to be distracted. That's not right. So I think it comes from a sense of honoring yourself that you will honor somebody else. And in turn, others will honor you at the highest level as well. So that is very important, and rather. And that's how you learn and grow. That's what Radha did. What did Radha do? She, she didn't say, oh, wow, this restaurant is for me and come from an ego perspective. Wow, look at what they de- did for me, that she can go and talk about it and make a whole show about herself. No, she didn't do that. She said, oh, wow, here's a restaurant. Let us celebrate it together. Let me be the chef. Let me honor you and serve you. So what did the kids learn? What did the youth learn? They learned better now how to serve others. Even when somebody is honoring you, you still give back. Right. That is very powerful, a message to give. She didn't make it about herself. She included everyone in the celebration. And further still, she made the food for them. Can you imagine how tasty and awesome and wholesome that food must have been with so much love and abundance? And that is why even when we're preparing food, you know, you always give good thoughts and, and positive thoughts into the food as well to, that it would bring healing for others. I teach this even when I'm coaching in businesses. For example, if I'm coaching a businessman who is providing fuel for his customers that drive into his service station, and I taught him and all the Bowser boys, we call them Bowser boys here. I know overseas it's self-help. Um, in South Africa, it is where we still have humans who will fill your tank. 
-hmm. And what we taught them, a simple thing as when you're filling the fuel, imagine you're filling in God's love and light. That this family who is traveling in there, the businessman who is getting the fuel, will come into abundance and prosperity in just filling up at this particular service station. That there will always be a flow of abundance coming through for what we are giving in love and light and healing for the traveler. That they have a happy journey, that they have a happy business day. And that is how we promote happiness. What greater gift is there in that? Similarly, in the clothing factory where, I'm, where I go once a week, what are we teaching? The operators is how to pray, how to bring in positive energy into the shirts so that whoever wears the shirts will come into abundance and prosperity and will overcome any calamity or affliction. This, wow. is, what, this is what I teach. And do you know, it is amazing certain reps would call into head office or to dispatch, ordering certain shirts, and certain reps will say, but I can't understand how come I'm selling so well and people just love this lot of shirts. It's because of what the intention we put that becomes the blueprint in serving humanity because we're paying attention to the small things. We're paying attention to the food. We're paying attention to the energy in which we're giving and doing for abundance and prosperity for the very people who give us money for the very people who pay us and give us money so we can put food on the table. Money is an energy field. So everything is an energy field. So in helping others, it's the energy in which you do something is very, very important. That's the best psychology you can give. Wow. Is that That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's, you know, a, totally new perspective of looking at things i mean putting good vibes into shirts and into food i think that's absolutely admirable you know so now i understand why i'm looking up to you so much because you're teaching such great things and i see how you know people turn up to be better just by talking to you and by having sessions with you and as you mentioned, by having experienced that myself, I'm even more grateful, you know, for everything that you put out there. So thank you. Yeah, but you see, the ripple effect is, look at what you sign off with every day in your post, you know, with the smile, and life will smile back at you. So what you're doing is you're bringing a new energy into the smile, one of creativity and abundance, so what are you doing? You're creating more and more abundance and prosperity. And look at the, the people you are meeting. It's truly awe-inspiring, the people that gravitate towards you. Um, and these are the blessings we must be thankful for on a daily basis. The people that, that come towards you, the people that come with a smile. What greater gift is there than to be received with a smile and to give a smile? I think for me, the little things impact the most, you know. Even if I have to give somebody, you know, a beggar uh, some money. And sometimes I do that, you know. If there's a car guard in South Africa, we have car guards. And they, they look after your cars while you shop because of the crime rate. And they're providing a service. Whether they can save your car or rescue you is another story. doesn't matter. But out of the goodness of my heart from my wallet, I would just pull out 
any amount of money. And I said, today I'm going to make this guy, you know, I'm going to make him happy. Mm-hmm. And I'd give him money, which he didn't expect, you know, at the higher amount than anyone else would give. But just to see his face light up means the world to me. And even if it's the last 10 rand or 20 rand that I would have and just give it away, gives me such a sense of joy. And to surprise people who don't expect anything, you know, it's, it's just the best thing. And similarly, when I receive, then I understand the gift of giving because when I receive, I know how it feels. Yeah. So you can't describe it. It's indescribable, that feeling. That's when you true. feel fulfillment and contentment, you can't describe it. I, I'm lost for words most of the time, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean because I felt that many times from both perspectives, both from giving the last, you know, the last bit of money that I had in my wallet. But, you know, when you give it with all your heart, you don't care that you're, you're left with nothing, right? Um, and exactly. Again, as you said, you know, just to, to witness the reaction of the person that receives that money, or not necessarily money, because we can speak about clothes here or um, anything else that you want to give to to some other people, right? It's not. It it shouldn't be just about money. It should be about the act of giving itself. So when you see the person that receives, you know, the asset, the money, or or piece of clothing or whatever you're giving, it's definitely priceless, and no words would ever ever um, honor you know the the feeling that you get in that very moment and to get that back it's even more intense and exactly if, if the feeling of giving and seeing the other person being happy can't be described then the feeling of receiving it's probably trillion times harder to describe than the other yes one. So, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, and I feel you on, yeah, on many levels. Uh, thank you so much, Andrada. I'd like to leave, you know, the listeners with a short message, if I may. Sure, please. Always see what best you can do for everyone around you. It is the sense of offering that which makes you shine. Oh. Thank you, Andrada. Thank you. That, that ending passage is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So thank you for bringing it to us. You take care now. Lots of love and gratitude for having me. It's been a me. pleasure. It's been a Many pleasure days. to have you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget... Smile at life, and life will smile right back at you. Hey everybody, David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere. 
that just sends ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life. To give us the best chance of survival, we're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of, of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, Story of Hope by David Calvert.